0: Welcome to On the Mic Podcast. This is your host, Tim Drake. On today's episode, we are live from WonderCon down in Anaheim with special guest Andrew Bowser, also known as Onyx the Fortuitous. I was so excited to be able to have Andrew join us on this episode. I also had my good friend and producing partner, Alex Watson, uh, joining me as a co-host on this episode. Uh, If you're not familiar with Andrew Bowser, you most definitely are familiar with Onyx the Fortuitous. So very viral all throughout TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. So you've seen his stuff, probably the weird Arby's guy or the weird Satanist, and that is what brought us to Onyx I became even more familiar with Onyx uh, during Sundance this year. So as Andrew's film, Onyx of Fortuitous and the Talisman of Souls premiered at Sundance and has been having just an incredible run at festivals. its It was one of my absolute favorite films this year at Sundance. I cannot wait for people uh, to be able to see this. Uh, but it was a lot of fun being able to learn more about Andrew. Uh, kind of doing a little research beforehand, found out that we had, uh, had kind of run parallel in the same circles. Really for the last 20 years, it was kind of amazing that this is the first time uh, that we had actually met uh, and then sat down and talked with each other. But it was a lot of fun being able to have Andrew on the show with us, especially live at WonderCon. Thank you to everybody that did come out. Uh, th- those late-night shows are sometimes hard to be able to draw a crowd. And so we're always happy, you know, for the, for the little bit of a crowd that we may get uh, a good hour after the exhibit floor has closed at WonderCon. So thank you so much for coming out, uh, for those of you that did. Uh, it has been quite some time since I released an episode of the podcast, uh, basically since Comic-Con of last year. It has been just a wild time. Bundy Manor uh, ended up having a couple of festival dates. We were going through post-production and also launched a brand new series called Screams from the Dark that launched back in January, a monthly short series that we've been doing. Uh, my episode, The Chair, actually just uh, just released uh, the other day uh, after, after screening and having its kind of premiere, per se, uh, at Warner Brothers uh, as we uh, celebrated the 100th anniversary of Warner Brothers uh, on uh, April 4th. So, yeah, it's, it's been just a crazy wild time, and we've been so insanely busy filming, getting ready to make our next feature film, Demonetize, that we'll be filming later this year. And so, yeah, unfortunately, the podcast just kind of fell on the back burner, but I wanted to make sure that we were able to get things going again. Uh, of course, we've also launched two other podcasts uh, that are part of uh, everything that we're doing with J-Watt. Uh, we, we have the j podcast that is us talking through basically everything that we are doing as far as building up our feature films, building up Screams from the Dark, and just everything everything we go through as filmmakers. And so you can take that journey with us on the J-Watt podcast. Uh, we also launched The Void Unknown that is myself and Alex, and we invite on some of our co-producers through j as well as a number of other people really trying to f- say, prove to us that the paranormal is real. We want proof. So we, we talk through some of the stories, some of our experiences, what we love about these kind of things, um, and then and, and just kind of, you know, try to not so much debunk, but we show each other videos to see if we can show that they are proof. And with that, because we are filmmakers, we've had to, of course, use our own special effects and visual effects. And so we're looking at this saying, can we tell, based off of our firsthand knowledge, if this is an edited clip or if it is real? We want the truth. We don't want to be debunking. We want the truth. We want to have some type of reality show us that the paranormal is real. So that is what the void unknown is. You can find both of those everywhere that you listen to podcasts. If you're listening to this right now on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever you're listening to this, both of those podcasts are available as well. So, But thank you again to Andrew Bowser and Alex Watson for joining me at WonderCon this year. It was such a great time. Hopefully we'll have a lot more episodes coming up here. I'm working on booking some new guests right now as we start ramping things up already for San Diego Comic-Con. Like I said, we're working on Demonetize, our next feature film that will start shooting later this year. And yeah, it's just been a wild ride lately. <laughs> we have been so incredibly busy. Uh, if you've been following along with me on Instagram at timdrake42, uh, you've seen a bunch of the stuff that we've had going on over at Warner Brothers. Again, we just celebrated the 100th anniversary the other day. Uh, such an incredible experience to think that you know we were here at that moment of history. You know, to be able to celebrate that, and yeah, it's just, just kind of crazy to think that that studio, that company, has been around for a hundred years, making some of the the biggest movies and TV shows. Uh, in the history of entertainment, it's just—it it's, was a very surreal experience uh, to to be there for that. Uh, but thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Again, we will be back with plenty more episodes this year, uh, even after it's been such a long hiatus. Again, thank you to Andrew, thank you to Alex, and thank you to everybody who came out to this show at WonderCon. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. We'll see you next week. do for the last hour so yeah,
1: sticking now the party starts <laughs> all right that's right
0: so my name is tim Drake. i am the host of on the mic podcast very lucky to be joined by one of my good friends producing partners alex watson hello so this is now your second time guest hosting here
1: yes well yes on on the mic yeah, first fine. time at wondercon but yes Second time hosted.
0: And first time back in this convention center since you uh, scooped up a couple of awards during the Star Wars celebration for a film. Yeah,
1: yeah. The first time that they came back once Disney bought them, yeah, I entered a film into the Fan Film Awards and won some awards. So it's really cool to be back at Anaheim. I've been to Anaheim a lot. The convention (laughs) center. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And, And this is like the first podcast in... Seven months because we did our live show in San Diego mm-hmm. and then remembered we had to finish post production on the movie mm-hmm. and then that consumed us for the last seven months. It does months that. Yeah. And then got distribution and so now we can do podcasts again. Mm-hmm. So that's the goal. Just yeah. So we can podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's, 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 been, it's been a good, fun time. So getting to explore the floor today. Um, yeah. And yeah, we, we just announced our next feature. Uh, we start filming this fall. i uh, to monetize. Yeah, we'll see. So <laughs> Alex also, Rob will be
1: directing. So yeah, it's a it's a fun time for us right now. Sure is. Um, I am very nervous for our guest because I am such a <laughs> I'm a, such a fan. So sorry I'm not talking very much because I am very excited. <laughs> and he's right there, see, and yeah. I'm just
0: just yeah, well, Without further ado, I'm, I am very excited to have our guest Andrew Bowser today. Film Honest and and the Talisman of Souls for Rudy Sundance. You guys should got back from Glasgow?
2: Good uh, Glasgow
0: uh, one of my favorite films at Sundance this year, so I'm excited that he, he join us. So please get up for Andrew Bowser. Beautiful. So, as, as you make your way over here, Andrew, I, I do have to say to start this off the fact that this is the first time. That you and I are crossing paths <laughs> kind of blows my mind. Yeah. <laughs> so when I started getting ready for Sundance, Alex and I were talking, and he's just like, "Oh yeah, Onyx has a movie there," and I was like, "Yeah, I'm, I, I've been seeing this Onyx guy pop up on on a, like Mystic Museum stuff," and I wasn't like totally involved with omics yeah, and i was like i don't i don't understand this he's like no do you remember those arby's videos <laughs> and i was like oh yeah i love those videos <laughs> and then my friend is sitting down here i'd mentioned i was like yeah this guy's a movie like this fantastic like, oh yeah i used to love um, listening to bizarre states of jessica Chobaugh. and then everything started to kind of explode in my head your <laughs> name was always so familiar when i started seeing things like why do I know andrew pastor why do i so i was a nerd turn for Nerdist nice. during that time. And somehow we never crossed paths then. Yeah. And so as I, as I was looking through a few things, things popped up further, that, and we will dive all into this, but that you started off directing music videos. Yeah. Now, during the time with some of these bands, like Amber Pacific, The Audition, I was working with them on the other side of stuff with Victory Records and through Tooth and Nail and Fuel by Ramen, wow. Bringing them into a shop I had to do live shows. Oh wow. So they were going to you and doing music videos, and then coming to me and doing live shows and signings. Yeah. And I was like, how did I never somehow intersect with right. them over the last twenty-three years?
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's wild. I didn't know that you were in that scene.
0: Yeah, it was, and even your band. Yeah. I had when I was when I was reading through some things, it's like. I remember them. <laughs> yeah, so it just kind of blew my mind. Yeah. It's like, how is this the first time we are crossing paths after all of that?
2: Yeah, that's wild.
0: But yeah, it's, it's crazy. We're, I'm excited to have you here Thank today. You. And of course, Alex is beyond yay. Yes. And,
1: and, and the very quick reason is just, yeah, I mean, I followed your stuff with your character. And then, you know, when you started TikTok as him and then you started to transition to yourself. Like, that was just so cool to see. And then I'm proud to say I'm one of your first backers. Oh, thank you. And, (laughs) like, yeah, when you first announced the movie, I was like, holy, get sign in, make an account. Um, So, yeah, I'm so pumped. The movie's cool. And, yeah, I'm just. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Well, thank you for having me.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) So now, before we get to Onyx, I'm I'm so fascinated by your backstory. So I know you started back east before making you right here. Tell me what kind of sort of fascinated you with film and comedy to get you to this point.
2: Well, I started as a child actor uh, on the East Coast. I grew up outside of Washington, D.C., and so I started doing, like, regional theater, and uh, I was like Tiny Tim. At uh, <laughs> Ford's Theater in a Christmas Carol and stuff like that, and uh, and I was getting a, a fair amount of auditions, and what, I auditioned for like uh, Rushmore and the faculty, Ooh. and uh, I auditioned for the client, the uh, the Brad Renfro, oh, right. like, you know, yeah. law thriller, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I just quickly realized I wasn't the best actor. Um, not necessarily in my, well, maybe in my talent, but not necessarily <laughs> in my talent as an actor, but uh, regarding what it takes to be an actor outside of just performing. Mm. That thick skin that you need and walking into an audition and being told, oh, the sides that you prepared actually aren't what we're going to do today. <laughs> I really didn't like uh, the lack of control that actors you know, really have to kind of give themselves over to and ride that lightning so at some point in high school, I started writing and, and also uh, started studying photography. And so I started kind of making almost like little short films just out of stills, like almost storyboards that told a story. Mm-hmm. And that led me to go to a film school, the School of Visual Arts in New York, and uh, fully thought, well, I'm not an actor anymore. I realized I meant to be a writer-director. But because I grew up acting, all of my fellow film students would cast me in their stuff. So I kept acting throughout <laughs> film school, but, uh, but really didn't consider myself uh, to be an actor. And then I moved to L.A., and I, uh, would, uh, I worked for a lot of companies that, that shot packages at conventions like this. And I was a kind of producer-editor. And, uh, and I, I had the idea to make a kind of fake video package from E3 and put myself in it as a character that I had been working on. And, uh, and that took off and led to... That was Onyx, basically. And I continued doing Onyx videos. And then I look back and I realize, well, I never stopped acting. It just always... It persisted, even though um, it really w- wasn't with much intent. It was kind of out of... Necessity, because a lot of times you have an idea and you think, well, I could do that if I had this person, this person, and that person. So if you can kind of become this person, that person, and that person, then you can get, get it done. And so I kind of became like a one-man band. I guess, you know, you'd say content creator now, but <laughs> even though that's not really the world I came from. I don't know if that answers your question, but basically, no, kid yeah. actor yeah. Yeah. that yeah. sucked at it. So we started <laughs> writing and directing, but never stopped acting, and now the film that I had at Sundance is something that I wrote, directed, and acted in. Did did you you feel hard to
0: kind of give up that control when it came to starting to make features, where you have to kind of let the department heads kind of do their thing?
2: Well, yes and no. I think um, I might be a little more involved than some department heads like, but I think (laughs) I've found the the people that actually like that level of input. Sure. Um, I find... I think... The, the, uh, I'm not a good... Uh, editors don't like me. Because I'm meant to just <laughs> edit my own stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There's just no reason. I've had many editors just say, okay, why don't you just do it, dude? <laughs> at a certain point, it's like, well, no. Three frames forward. Uh-huh. You know. And at that point, it's like, well, I, that, I'm meant to just cut whatever I direct. Mm-hmm. So I've learned that. But other departments, I think, like the level of input because it gives clarity. I'm never the type to give direction that's like, oh, I wish it felt more Like this, I don't give kind of floaty, Mm. vague direction. It's very specific. Nice. And I think most people respond to that.
1: Yeah. Speaking of someone you worked with, uh, we had someone reach out to us just kind of out of the blue uh, to help with, like, their Kickstarter. Because, yeah, we did some Kickstarter stuff. And it turned out to be Creature Kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so we talked with him. And that's who did a lot of or all of your Creatures, Uh right? And in his movie if you guys haven't seen the trailer or is there a public trailer yet for,
2: uh, for my movie or yeah, for his for oh, your movie. no there's not a trailer but there's a few scenes a lot of like stills clips. too yeah uh-huh.
1: yeah definitely and then go on creature kids tiktok too because he's got a lot of cool stuff but you know I talked to him a lot cuz when he I found out he worked with you I was like oh well what does he like to to work with and stuff and you know he said the, almost the exact same thing where he was just like gave me you know I had an idea but like he had specifics and like was very great at just what he wanted and that made it much easier to, yeah. like, figure out. So how, how with the creature specifically, like, what was your mind, if you're cool, if I... Oh, I don't no, because I wanted to
0: know this question. Yeah, because, yeah, you know, <laughs> I
1: love Jim Henson, and I love puppetry, and I love all that stuff. So, like, what made you, one, decide to do puppets, and then, two... Like, how did you come up with those ideas? Was it mostly Creature Kid, or was it a mix, or, like, how did that
2: happen? So that was an instance of of a department head really having the vision that Mm. I didn't have. Oh, cool. Um, So our movie is a horror comedy, and it's about a group of fledgling Satanists. They're invited to a mansion, Um, they think, to take part in a -a once-in-a-lifetime ritual that's led by their idol, this guy named Bartok the Great. Obviously, once they get there, they realize that they're kind of just grist for the mill, and they're going to be sacrificed. Their souls are going to be <laughs> stolen by this guy. But along the way, there's some monsters, demons, ghouls, etc. I had pictured most of the creatures in the movie to be uh, makeups, and had kind of written it that way and, and envisioned it that way. And even during the Kickstarter, had some um, reference images that showed that maybe like body suits for a big demon. Um, my favorite movie is Pumpkinhead, and I pictured kind of a pumpkin y type of guy for one of the big bads. Nice. Uh, but there's one character that I knew would be a puppet who is, his name is the Beefy Bad Boy, and he's like a fast food mascot yes. come to life in a nightmarish uh, scenario. So I reached out to Adam as a fan. I'd uh, seen him at Monsterpalooza for years, and he nice. even bought some of his toys and like busts that he had sold. Yeah. And I reached out to him just about designing Beefy Bad Boy, and he said, oh, yeah, yeah. that's one of Adam's little yeah. keychains. Uh, I reached out to him about designing Beefy Bad Boy, and he said, yeah, let me read the script. And he read the script and said, have you considered making all of the creatures puppets? And I thought, no, I truly had not. But then once he started pitching me that... I realized it was more in line with the tone of the movie because the movie is inspired by, like, the darker Jim Henson stuff. And a lot of, you know, uh, like, uh, John Carl Buechler ghoulies and things like that. And and so he sent me some sketches that he had done that kind of re-envisioned even, like, this big demon as a puppet. And I was just sold immediately. And also, he was at a place... Similar to where I was as a filmmaker, where we really needed a calling card and something that really kind of exemplified our work and our voice, and uh, he was just ready to like give it his all and his whole team in Colorado, and uh, and they did. And I mean, so much of that is his vision, That's and I might have tweaks and you know uh, suggestions here and there, but we were very much in sync. And I think the film benefits from having his personality and his DNA in it just as much as like my DNA comedically. Or Onyx, yeah. Yeah, His creatures are just beautiful. Yeah.
0: So I mean, everything from just the build of them to the paint color. Yeah. Watching them too, knowing that they were puppets, because we. I was following along with what, what was happening leading into Sundance, too, and I just, I know Creature Kids just makes amazing stuff. Yeah. And then, yeah, the way that you guys were able to interact with them, it, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a huge fan of practical effects, and that, that just took the movie to the next level for Yeah. Me.
2: Well, that's good to hear, and I do think there is, it sounds corny, but there is a magic that comes with puppetry, and I was really uh, sub- submersed in, I was reading the, the Jim Henson biography at the time, and, and I was even reading that big George Lucas book, which then gets into a lot of, like, puppet work on the Star Wars films, and they talk about that kind of magical moment where it starts to feel like there's life, and you forget that there's somebody maneuvering it, and that, you know, the voice is going to be dubbed in post. And uh, But I hadn't really experienced that on set until making this movie, and then there were all of these moments where all of a sudden they just moved a certain way. And there was, like, a certain light in their eyes that made them feel real. Yeah. And then I realized this is, like, what I've always wanted as yeah, a kid yeah. was to be on set with something practical, interacting with it, and feeling like it was, you know, my little creature yeah, that's buddy. So cool.
1: Yeah, that's so cool. I mean, one thing I, I wanted to ask, because, like, with Onyx, obviously that that did push you right into the spotlight, but what was that moment where you're like, okay, I want to start separating myself, but then also I want to make a movie... Like, what, what, what was your thought process about, you know, coming out and making that separation and revealing yourself as you, Andrew? And then what was that like to, what was the thought process of, oh, I need to make a movie with this?
2: Yeah. Well. The, kind of big questions. Well, yeah, <laughs> but, but they're very good questions because all of that really factor into the last, like, two years of my life. One more. Because I started doing Onyx in 2012, I think. Uh, i didn 't realize that that he would take off on the internet in a way that would kind of minimize the filmmaker side of me. Hmm. I, I thought they would always kind of like run in tandem, but then at a certain point, I realized that the internet doesn 't know i 'm a director and doesn 't know i 'm someone that grew up acting, and that if anything like the viral video thing came after the filmmaker side of yeah. myself. Um, and I started to realize that because, you know, even going to conventions and people would, would, would say, are you, one of the videos was called The Weird Satanist Guy. They'd be like, are you the weird Satanist guy? And I'd be like, I am, but also. <laughs> but also, and yeah, so um, much more. So I, but I never had a problem with that. I was just always kind of investigating, well, what does this mean for the, like, director, me? Yeah. Um, but I love Onyx and I love performing him, so I continued to do it. But basically, um, I got to a point where I had written a feature that I thought was going to get financed, and it was right before the pandemic, and, uh, and it fell through partially because of the pandemic, but also just because the movie wasn't coming together. And I had never considered crowdfunding anything, but um, at a certain point during the pandemic, I was kind of just looking at like, what I had to work with, and Onyx was one of the only things uh, that kind of persisted. Uh, like me acting and you know goofing around in front of the camera, kind of always persisted. And when I put him on TikTok, which a lot of people had suggested, mm-hmm. and I'd learned that lesson early on to never really like um, look down at any new platform. I'm not like of the YouTube generation. Yeah. When I was in film school, it was like, all right, I guess I'm the next Tarantino. Get ready. <laughs> and then I, you know, a couple of years after film school, it's like YouTube, and I'm mm-hmm. like, what? <laughs> so. I've always had to kind of pivot to the the platforms that were on the rise. And I had a job for many years at Nerdist making content for them. And I kind of learned those, learned the rules of what works on YouTube, what works on Facebook, what works on Twitter, et cetera. So when I put Onyx on TikTok and he gained a following, I realized, okay, well, maybe this is how those streams get crossed. It's that Onyx has worked on the internet And maybe he could help me crowdfund A feature Which would then connect to the director Side of me Nice, But it took uh, Because I made many videos as Onyx Trying to push my Kickstarter Saying um, I'm trying to make a future film Give me money blah 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 and the comments would be like, why would I give this weird Satanist guy money? I'm just gonna... They still didn't understand there was a filmmaker yeah. behind the character. So that's when I decided, okay, I have to start like, introducing Bowser to uh, my social media followers. Mm-hmm. And strategically made a TikTok that, you know, the language of TikTok, well, at least one aspect of it is match cuts transitions is what the kids call them it's just match cuts <laughs> you know where you're just matching a cut on action and so I made a video that was literally cutting between Bowser and Onyx saying I made a movie and it's based on my character Onyx the fortuitous and I wonder if you would give money to the Kickstarter and I would literally intercut between me dressed as Onyx but the motion would be fluid with me as Bowser and then it got like a 900,000 or a million views and that made TikTok go wait he's a real dude he's a normal guy <laughs> and that brought in some money to the kickstarter that day mm-hmm. But it was a very strategic kind of introduction of the filmmaker part of me because yes. nobody was going to give onyx money to make a movie which is crazy, crazy too
0: because i mean you mentioned like 2012 is when you started bringing onyx to life yeah even though you'd been directing for almost a decade before that really yeah so but yeah. it, it took a character right. of you acting instead to somehow bring that right. back to the, the front
2: of it. totally. And I had to kind of constantly listen to what was working. I mean, I could, there, part of me could have said, well, Onyx isn't going to lead to my dreams as a filmmaker coming true. I need to just hang up his fedora as it were. <laughs> but um, you really just have to look at what's working. And he continued to get views, and that's why I was like, I have to try to make that work for the film inside yeah. of me. And it worked. And it did. Isn't that and, awesome? In a way that was very, <laughs> that's yeah. so cool. Well, right, because then making the movie, there's no world where a kickstarted started movie based on a meme premieres at Sundance. <laughs> so like, cool. So, even, yeah. so that happening was just such a slam dunk. You know, yeah. I'm still not over that. It's oh, still no. like a mind-blowing concept. Yeah,
0: Isn't it weird, though, people talk about how, like, with Superman, he puts on a pair of glasses and somebody, nobody realizes he's Clark Kent. Yeah. You put on a wig and a fedora and somebody, nobody realizes you're Andrew
2: Bowser. Oh, and you're, yeah. You are just Alex. For sure, yeah. No, and, and vice versa. I mean, if I, uh, yeah, if I put on the wig and fedora and walk around a, like a horror convention, or like BlizzCon or something. We had a producer once at Nerdist who had never shot an Onyx video with me, but we did one at BlizzCon, and we had already, like, walked around with me out of costume, working on some other projects for the company that day. And then I put on the fedora, and there was, you know, like, little crowds of people <laughs> gathering and, and watching the, us film the, the videos, because they're really fun to watch being yeah. filmed. And this producer was like, it's like, you're the Beatles. <laughs> like, well, it's not that big, but it was funny to see the attention on Onyx. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, and it's also cool cuz Onyx is like, you know, he is a fun and like a kind of outlandish character, but he also represents a lot of and I don't know, you maybe probably know this, but a lot of people who don't really feel seen. And I know that's that my I don't know, maybe you know this, but you know, I have a lot of friends who identify a lot with him. And like, you know, he he is a very funny outlandish character, but there's a lot of... And, you know, a lot of people at this convention, right? And a lot of, like, my dearest friends, like, like watch him. And even though, you know, people are laughing with him or at him or whatever, they feel... I don't know. They just feel seen because of him. And now he has yeah. a movie. Like, yeah. you know? So there's that whole other cool aspect, too. Have you seen that in your...
2: Like, with, your, with, with performing him? Without a doubt. And, and it's, a, it's um, like an ongoing conversation around the character. Because for me... And I talked about this a lot at, at Sundance, but also we just played uh, Glasgow Film Festival, the nice. Fright Fest section, so there's so a lot cool. of like diehard horror fans. And I talked a lot about there, but explaining what Onyx is and what he is to me, he's, I call him a processing agent for Ooh. a lot of my anxiety and fears and insecurities. When I started performing him, I didn't know what I was tapping into, but I was very much tapping into my middle school self. And... Um, I mean, he's just there. He's he's trapped there. He's in you know uh, amber or whatever. Yes. And so, for me, performing him is like uh, a catharsis. I'm running that kind of energy through a character, but it's stuff that's in there all the time. And you know, if I have a little too much coffee, he's like right there. <laughs> and um, and I had a meeting once where somebody uh, like, kind of offhandedly just said, like, man, I, lo- I love Onyx. She's so funny, you know? And I was like, oh, thanks. Like, I just, you're just, I love that like, you're just making fun of those like neckbeard oh, gamers. And no. I was like, huh? And I got <laughs> so offended. Yeah. It was like, you know, calling Marty McFly chicken or whatever. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't let it go. And I could tell that the people I was with, like, from my company, we were meeting with this other company, you know, wanted me to let it go. But I was like, well, just to, just to clarify, I'm not making fun of anybody. Mm-hmm. Onyx is me. You know, that's I'm dealing with something when I perform him. So if I'm personifying a certain, uh, you know, uh, character or a type that maybe you're then relating to something else in your life, or maybe you're projecting something, uh, or the way you look at characters or people like Onyx, like that's on you, Mm -hmm. because that's not what he is to me. Yeah. And I find that people recognize that about him, that I'm really trying to personify. Uh, something that's deep within me again from my you know maybe my middle school self or even earlier in the movie deals with a lot of stuff from childhood Um, but in no way is it yeah is it like externally trying to make fun of anyone because it's it's me you know it's every part of me as Onyx
0: so when it came to developing him as a character then where you were coming out of, you know, being in a band, directing music videos. How did that transition into creating Eminem? Like, where where did the first kind of spark of Onyx come from? Leaving that world.
2: I had uh, when I moved to LA. I had started to I plugged myself into like the UCB improv classes, and it was around the time I also started being a full-time producer and editor for Nerdist. And I don't even remember, my wife might have suggested that I take improv um, just to kind of keep that part of me sharp. And, you know, you're encouraged to come up with characters. You're constantly in a situation where you've got to find a perspective and a, a personality. And I remember I was in the bathroom, I think I'd just taken a shower, and I was thinking of, well, what would a character, What, what, what I would love to perform a character that was kind of wholly my own. And uh, and I had the idea to do someone who always said, I don't know, after <laughs> saying anything, even yeah. if it was something they were very certain of. Like, what's your favorite movie? Pumpkinhead? I don't know. And just immediately backpedaling, because it tapped into something insecure in me yeah. Yeah. who's always maybe second guessing something that he's very certain of mm-hmm. because he's a people pleaser because you know he wants to kind of bend his will to the world around him um and i remember coming out of the bathroom and saying to my wife who's sitting here, uh, I want to do a character where, you know, no matter what he says, he goes, I don't know, afterward. She was like, okay. (laughs) But for me, it was like a revelation, and it was this little insight into what would become Onyx. But I think it took taking those improv classes and being in that world and kind of thinking as a performer uh, for a few months. And then um, once I had, I guess, what's one of his catchphrases, Then I started planning the first video, which was the one that we did at E3 in, like, 2012.
0: Oh, wow. That's so cool. It's crazy just to think of that whole process, too, though. Just a simple little phrase. just I don't know. Like, to have that spark in all of this, to make it that people reference that now. I mean, some friends of mine, when they found out that you were doing this, they were like, we quote him all the time. Yeah.
2: (laughs) There was a a wonderful uh, man at the Fright Fest screening in Glasgow that was like, oh, I didn't know you were... Yeah, they had an old guy. I don't know. (laughs) He was saying it in the Scottish accent, which was really fun. Um, But yeah, it it seemed like kind of nothing, but then it really was a a way into his psyche. And there's things in that first video that uh, informed the narrative of the movie. Like in the first video... Uh, I, Onyx says, maybe I'm not Mark who works at Arby's. Maybe I'm Onyx the Fortuitous Slayer of the Bright Realm. <laughs> and it sounds funny in the moment because you think, well, he's like kind of self-grandizing, and maybe it's sad that he wishes he was someone that he's not. Mm-hmm. But that's the plot of the movie. It's like he doesn't want the fast food job. He wants to find a greater purpose. And why does he want to be called Onyx the Fortuitous? That's the whole narrative of the movie ten years later. That's so cool.
0: So when they came to Sundance. The, the audience at Sundance can be very hit or miss. We were talking earlier about how I remember sitting at the Egyptian for Swiss Army Man. Oh, yeah. So and it's like, now we see the Daniels walking away with Oscars. And several years ago, I sat there and watched the audience walk out of the theaters, because they all expected Harry Potter was going to be Harry Potter, not the fucking horse. <laughs> right. So how did, how did the audience react coming to see it? Did you have kind of an established fan base that flocked to the screenings in Salt Lake and Park City? or was it all kind of fresh eyes to
2: it? I think our premiere night there was a lot of cast and crew and, well, maybe it was half and half. Um, and, but it, and it was a great screening. Nice. And and then I, I thought, though... For the remaining screenings, I was thinking that, like, maybe we're going to have walkouts, maybe we're going to have people that aren't expecting a movie this silly to be playing at Sundance. But I tell you, every screening, and I'm not just saying this for, like, optics, every screening was wonderful. And we would ask at the top of the screening, who here knows my character? And sometimes it was only, like, eight people out of 200 or 10 people. And so that was a good way to gauge how much the comedy might work or how much the character might work for for a a new audience. And I left Sundance feeling nothing but encouraged. I mean, one of our best screenings was Salt Lake, was a theater in Salt Lake City. And um, we had people come up to us afterward and say, oh, I've never heard of your character, but I loved that movie. Um, and a, a woman who is just kind of a, a diehard Sundance attendee who sees, like, 30 films every year came up and was like, you're, you're number 21 that I've seen, and I want to get your autograph. I loved it. <laughs> and uh, I think it was also, it was, a, it was a, a breath of fresh air in the sense that it was so silly and funny, and um, I think they, had, they understandably have a lot of, like, prestigious horror and kind yeah. of straight horror right. and then a lot of drama and and so I think it was I don't know if it's okay for me to say it was smart of them to program us <laughs> but I think it was smart yeah. in the sense that it, it was a, a weird little uh, spot of levity in, in in programming blocks that can be a little more straight faced nice um, have you
0: watched over 50 films this year it's on Dance. without a doubt it offered that levity to it, where
2: cool. where it was
0: for me at least towards kind of the end of like the onslaught that I had at the beginning. Yeah, that premier day I was just like, oh, this is this is nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's
2: nice to just watch a movie where a guy just yells my wiener yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ten times.
1: <laughs> yeah, and we're 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 both you know from Utah, and like I grew up in Salt Lake, going to probably the exact same theater mm-hmm. that yours was shown, and like. You know, I, uh, it's good to hear that. Because that oh, yeah. I'm sure, especially in the, because, you know, I was on your Instagram and stuff, and you were posting about, like, where, you know, hey, we're, this is the next yeah. showing, I'll be here. This is the showing, I'll be there. And I was like, Utah?
2: <laughs> right, right, right. Go see <laughs> this, and
1: then also don't be, you know, yeah. Utah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I love know. you, Utah. But yeah, uh, oh, and we were
2: very warmly welcomed. Awesome, and had a, that's good. A to great hear. experience up to the very end. All of the screenings were fantastic, and Sundance just treated us wonderfully. Like they're. they're I've played so many small festivals, and I thought, well, maybe this one would, would be more impersonal, yeah. or they'd be more concerned with, you know, the, the Anne Hathaways and the Donovan <laughs> yeah, Majors sure. of the world. Yeah. But no, they <laughs> tended to us like we were superstars. Yeah. I mean, they were just such a great festival and such a, a wonderful staff.
0: Yeah. It is weird to think of how big of a festival they are sometimes, because, yeah, they, I mean, this is my 11th Sundance. And yeah, they and then us now seeing like the smaller festivals with our films, like mm-hmm. it is crazy to see how as big as they are, they are very embracing no matter yeah. where you are at, and that has been the best thing that has always kept me coming back to yeah. So I'm glad to hear that, that was oh yeah that, that very is very awesome there.
1: yeah. And with films, I want to ask you now that we've talked a lot about Onyx, love you buddy. Hold on, let's hang out over here. <laughs> so I, I kind of want to nerd out about like movies with you for a little yeah. bit. Like, what are some of your favorite movies that? you grew up on and inspired you and things like that?
2: Well, I mean, it, it's kind of the, the the obvious ones in ways. You know, I, every time I reference Onyx, I talk about Gremlins or Fright nice. Night, yeah. the yeah. Ghostbusters. But I feel like my... The itch that I have to scratch is I really want to make 80s concepts, but through a modern lens. Nice. And I think the Onyx film attempts to do that. You know, I think by... Uh, not to like dive deep into the themes of the story, but I think it's there thematically. But dive I dive think... if you
1: need to. I
2: mean, no spoilers, but dive yeah. if you need to. Well, I just I think when I rewatch a lot of those movies from the '80s that no doubt informed my DNA as a filmmaker, I, I'm not. Uh, uh, ignorant to their problems, mm-hmm, you know? Sure, if, like, yes. <laughs> when I watch I mean, even Ghostbusters, I'm like, God damn, like Venkman's an He's pushing himself on, you
1: know, some women.
2: <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and I think it's good to recognize that and be like, I don't want to just make the, like, what that now, mm-hmm. but I love the fun of the concept, and I love the conceit of, of Fright Night, but that thing is riddled with... Problems that I even yeah. kind of sensed as a kid. I'd watch it and be like, huh, a little weirded out by some of this. But, <laughs> but now as an adult, I'm like, well, I'd love a fun vampire comedy, but one that didn't make the same statements and, and yeah. maybe make the same mistakes. So a lot of that is, is what I'm inspired by. But then in film school, it's like, this will make sense to – I don't say this out loud very much because I think I would need more success for this uh, remark to have weight – but I, Michael Haneke is like my favorite filmmaker of oh, all time. And I've always said that what's in my mind is a blend of Joe Dante and Michael Haneke. Oh, but if oh, I said oh, that, <laughs> like if I said that at a pitch meeting, they'd be like, you can leave. You know? <laughs> yeah. like, Who do you think you are? Right. And I'm like, well, it's like White Ribbon, but Gremlins, you can't, you uh-huh. know. <laughs> but so, you know, Funny Games and uh, uh, The Piano Teacher, like those are the films that really, Benny's video... Really, like rocked my world in film school, Mm. and so that. But then, I then when I think about it, not to wax poetic for too long. But then I think I actually think that isn't some of the Onyx stuff, because Hannah Kay early on was doing things that were that involved a lot of video elements and experimental Mm. video. And even like you know the perspective of his movie Cache that feels like it's being filmed by someone or by him or and then I think a lot of what I do with Onyx and other shorts is um, kind of meta and mm-hmm. even the Onyx videos where he's spliced into a newscast is like has a weird kind of dystopian Hannah vibe. Oh yeah, to it that's in a ways, good point. Yeah, um, and how he manipulates video. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. Haneke and Joe Dante would wow. be it. you know. You, hear that, I,
1: you got a list of movies to watch, everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, watch Roger Rabbit and then watch a Michael Haneke movie. Oh, but I've said, <laughs> I have said recently that Zemeckis, weirdly, and this is doesn't matter, you, you can't discredit Steven Spielberg because he's the best filmmaker of all time, <laughs> but not to discredit Steven Spielberg, but... You, I, there aren't as many Spielberg movies that kind of make up who I am and a lot of people that are born in my era it's all Spielberg mm-hmm. but for me it's like you can't take Back to the Future and Roger Rabbit away and, and have me still exist <laughs> but like I kind of would still exist without E.T. or even Indiana Jones really mm-hmm. but like Zemeckis Back to the Future and Roger Rabbit, that's mm. like all I need. Oh yeah,
1: we're gonna be best friends
2: because I <laughs> <laughs> love we Back to the, the Future. Plane. So <laughs> my wife and I were on the plane back from the UK, and she looked over, and I was just watching Back to the Future again. We're <laughs> just watching that. we went eleven hours, and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna watch those three. Yeah, then Goonies, and then Indiana. Jones.
1: And you were at the same festival that Michael J. Fox was at, right? Yes. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah.
2: Wow. I bet that was I, weird. The, I met the filmmaker uh, behind his documentary oh, wow, Dude, amazing. I haven't gotten to see you it. Me neither. I I'm sure it is. I, because this is tangential, we don't need to go here. But <laughs> Family <laughs> Ties is my favorite sitcom of all time. Oh, so I was an MJ, you know, MJ Foxhead from the beginning.
1: From the beginning.
2: Still are. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: believe I'm named after Alex P. Isn't that his name? Yeah, Alex, Alex P. P. E. My name is Alex. I think that's where um, that came from. Yeah. So, yeah no big deal Uh, that's cool so what about any any like is there so with that I love the thought I love movies that that do that right your movie and other movies that take that 80s but kind of like do modern is there any modern movies that you've seen do that that you're like ooh this is hitting that tick or I like I wish I would have done that
2: let me think. I have a hard time <laughs> with modern. References. Or, or what
1: if? Was there? Any, what was the last modern horror, or just movie in general that you like? Really liked and identified with?
2: Oh, I really liked the Micah Monroe movie, Watcher or The Watcher. I don't yeah, know yeah. I really liked that. I watched it and I was like, yeah, what a solid, just straightforward, right, well made. Well-crafted, tense movie, Mm -hmm. Um,
0: and then I
2: oh oh, yeah, yep. And then I really liked "We're All Going to the World's Fair." Oh, I don't think I've seen that. I really liked that. Very experimental, but I would say not as experimental as it might be kind of pitched or presented to be. Mm. Before I watched it, I was like, "Okay, here we go." This is let me get back to my. The patience that I had in film school, when I would just watch, you know, unedited three-hour-long videos projected on the wall of a gallery, uh, but it's m- it's much more structured than that, and it's I think it's on HBO Max now. It's Ooh, okay. I thought it was just awesome, and the filmmaker is, is is already making another film. I think produced by Emma Watson. Emma Watson? Oh no, oh. yeah, Emma Stone.
1: Emma Stone. There's a oh. lot of Emma's.
2: A lot of (laughs) them, but those were two kind of recent. I'm sure there's others, Um, but I do have a harder time. I don't know, you know, connecting to. I think what I got from 80s movies when I see a movie that is paying homage to films from the 80s, oftentimes it's in style only, Mm. or oftentimes it's it's paying homage to the things that I didn't think worked about the 80s movies. You know, like like that discussion we had while we were making Onyx was at some point, you know, I thought something didn't look quite convincing enough. And they were like, Yeah, but isn't that kind of okay? Because it's like, we're kind of doing a throwback thing. Uh And I'm like, Well, no, no, we're approaching it the way like Tom Holland, the director, not the Spider Man, (laughs) was uh, was approaching child's play. Like, he wanted that to look as convincing as possible. We know now that it doesn't all look that convincing, but he shot it and cut it in a way that was convincing for the time. And so I think a lot of times 80s homage, um, yeah, it's either just in style or kind of soundtrack alone, or it's, like, so bad it's good, right? Like, look Mm -hmm. how campy this is. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily what I take away. Like, what I take away from Reanimator is how committed the performers are and their emotional reality. Um, But you could also just say it's a goofy-looking movie, (laughs) and what you could take away from it is how dumb the cat looks, you know? (laughs) But I... That might necessarily be what I kind of call from those films. So a lot of times the 80s throwback stuff actually doesn't hit for me. That's
1: interesting. In a weird yeah. way. Yeah, but I, I understand that because, yeah, a lot of the times they are just hitting the style or checking boxes yeah. instead of being committed to making a film.
2: Yeah, because there's, there's, those films, they still work on, on a level. Like the bones of a lot of those movies uh, I think are just really solid. <laughs> Again, a bit misguided at times, but... There's a lot of them that are really well-structured.
0: It's silly just for fun. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So with everywhere that your film career is now starting to go, kind of going back to the music side, do you ever see yourself, do you ever have that itch to make music again or to work on the music side doing, doing music videos?
2: Yeah, I mean, my wife knows that there's nothing I write that if I'm going to act in it that I don't also write. And the character sings. <laughs> nice. still, like, I'm always just trying to give myself songs. And in the Onyx movie, it's no different. There's a kind of music video fantasy sequence in the middle of the film, and it's, it's only there because I want to sing. And, and I also made the creative decision early on that, like, Onyx can, like, sing. Like, he's got, like, a good voice. Because some people were like, he probably sings bad, and he sounds you know, more like the character than someone that's trying to sing well. And I'm like, no, no, he sings well, nice. just because I don't want to sound bad. Yeah. <laughs> and I want people to think I can sing. That's like a chip on my shoulder, you know, that I just won't lose um, from being a failed musical theater kid. But, um, and I also, I'm constantly writing bands and musicians to try to direct their music videos and it just doesn't happen i write i like i mean as recently as two weeks ago i wrote uh, a musician that i really look up to and i just wrote and i was like i just had a film with sundance can i direct a music video for you <laughs> just like will that change things and actually they did write me back and we had a cool conversation oh nice but i don't know that it'll amount to anything but i'm always trying to get back in to that and it just hasn't Hasn't worked.
0: Did you have a favorite music video of all of them that you did back in the day? Is there a favorite one? <laughs> or fa- fa- favorite band, more or less. Oh
2: <laughs> well, there was one. With. There was one that uh, was the worst one I'd ever done, but it's my <laughs> it's my favorite because it was an, it became an example of it was a real learning experience in the sense that I was trying to force a concept into a band's music video that like just should have never been there and I it it was afterward I realized oh that's a time when I should say hey I'm not the guy for the job because I didn't like the song and I didn't like the band so the 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 concept I pitched was like I'm in the video and I fight the lead singer and because he's an asshole and they said yes to it and we shot it and the whole video is like me I play a Uh, an employee my wife's (laughs) rolling her eyes I uh, uh, I play an employee at a diner who's like got a crush on the same person that the lead singer has a crush on and then he like makes fun of me so we fight and then I'm arrested at the end of the video and I look at it now I don't even know if it exists but I've looked at what I have of it recently and I'm like why did you ever think <laughs> that was the right video for a cover of In Your Eyes? Is that Peter Gabriel, In Your Eyes? Yeah. Like it, was like, it was a pop-punk band's cover of In Your Eyes. And that's when I pitched them. Like, that was... I should have never even given I them see that. that option. So that's a favorite of mine, because that was when I was like, okay, I think you need to, like, write your own movies. <laughs> and then when you pitch a music video think of a concept that would work for everyone mm-hmm. and not try to force my DNA 100% into everything. But I also learned that at Nerdist, you know, making parody music videos and branded content. I learned to, instead of feeling like, as a director, my job is to just make it all about me and my vision, there's some projects that might be that, but there's other projects where you need to be, you know, the hired... Gun and just do what's necessary, and you got to find the pleasure in that and the enjoyment in that, which I eventually did. I think I'd be a better director for bands and for you know clients now than back then. But a video I actually liked that wasn't just a uh, dumpster fire <laughs> was um, was uh, a video for Armor for Sleep, which was a band uh, back in the day that uh, they. Let me make like a fully narrative, no performance, just a short film with their oh, that them cool. in the lead roles. Of, not me being a weird guy messing yeah. things up. And I, that one, I, I have a there's I have a soft spot for it because it was also the first time I realized just because you can imagine something and you can picture like I think we can shoot that in two days, that doesn't mean it actually fits in two days. <laughs> and this is probably like 2006 or something. And I. Uh, remember we, we ran out of daylight we ran out of daylight and the band was leaving the next day to go on tour and we didn't finish the video <laughs> and I remember everybody just asking me like Andrew what are we doing what are we going to do and the tour manager being like I mean they got to leave they're supposed to be on a plane in like five hours everybody losing it on the front lawn of their one of their homes in New Jersey where we were shooting and I was like just give me a minute And I went up to the bathroom and laid down on the bathroom floor and, like, prayed to Christ that He would send Falcor from Never Ending (laughs) Story to me in that moment to take me away. And I swore in that moment, I was like, I will never let myself feel this panic again. I will plan my days right. I will, you know, overestimate how long setups will take. And I can honestly say I haven't been in that moment uh, that uh, ever again since, you know, since experiencing. That. That's dope.
1: So, in the uh, in the, you know, you're talking about wanting to do music videos in the future. Is that kind of where you want to head, or are you just kind of like like what is next for you, or what do you hope comes next for you?
2: I mean, I would. Uh, you, I just want to direct another movie. Ooh, okay. I think if uh, that's all I've ever really feature filmmaking has been all I've ever really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm really attracted to the form of that. And, and uh, again, not to go back, back to the future, but <laughs> I was born in 1982. Um, <laughs> so it's just right there. But you know, the shape of a feature just like really working within itself, like self-contained, that however long, you know, 90 Minutes or the Onyx movie is like 107. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what excites me, is making that thing right. Or at least how I think it's right um and i don't know if it's an onyx sequel we'd have to see how the first one does once it's released Mm -hmm. i do have a bunch of fun ideas for that but i also have two scripts one that i was making you know thought was going to happen before the pandemic that i'm rewriting i'd be happy with one of those two scripts happening but um you know who knows it kind of it comes down to who shows up with financing or right. interest oh we
1: know that yeah yeah
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. yeah i mean if i have a meeting and someone's like i don't know i really wanted to make a movie about like you know an apple orchard i'd be like i got one of those i got an idea <laughs> yeah, about yeah an i got orchard. one hold on I mean, <laughs> so yeah, i would go wherever it seems like um there would be financing and it would make sure. sense um I don't have...
1: So that would be... In the, so you're saying anything, music video or feature, but you would prefer to go features. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't gotcha.
2: stop chasing, like... Because I feel like the Onyx movie, you know, it's it's the first feature to really... Uh, I've made three other features, but they're very experimental, and, and they... they uh, one of them played South by, but most of them played smaller festivals. The Onyx feature, having premiered at Sundance and, and now having a lot of other cool festivals lined up, I think is the... Is the first time people might look at me and say, "Oh, well, what other ideas does he have?" Mm, sure. So I want to move on another feature as soon as possible. Nice. Well, yeah,
1: I want one. I want another one. I'm down for <laughs> it. And it would definitely
2: be with Adam Doherty. I mean, every idea I have now is like enmeshed with his. Oh, that's cool. His creativity. Yeah, that's way. So
0: as we start to kind of wind things down here. With, with Onyx, where where will people f- be able to eventually see that? I know you mentioned still have some other festivals. Yeah. So, but what, what is kind of the plan for people to be able to, to see that?
2: Well, there will be more festivals announced. I don't think any of the other festivals we've been accepted into um, have announced their lineups yet. Uh, Glasgow Fright Fest was the last one. So all I can say is kind of keep an eye out. Uh, following me, Andrew Bowser director or Onyx the fortuitous official, which is a lot harder to spell uh, and'll we'll announce festivals. And then hopefully we have been in discussions with a distributor that we feel very we feel very confident awesome. about these discussions. Um, and so I think it will be available. Uh, I don't know how soon, but in the near future it should be um, kind of more easily accessible. Uh, streaming and maybe even a small theatrical release Ooh, that'd be cool. and then definitely if, you know we 've always talked any distributor we 've talked to we 've talked about wanting a physical blu ray release yeah, nice. so that 's cool yeah. <laughs> so I think that 's in the near future, just nothing certain yet, but I think if people want to watch it, the best bet is just to look out for festivals and then hope for distribution
0: cool. soon cool. Yeah. so and you kind of mentioned the social handles, but where can everybody again find you before? We
2: yeah it's really just andrew bowser director um my youtube is bowser vids totally where i update people on the film and festivals and then onyx is onyx the fortuitous official on tiktok and instagram
0: awesome well thank you again so much for taking the time to come down here. i know your schedule has been packed you guys we got back from europe like a week ago it's all good it was really fun <laughs> so,
2: to do this yeah, so awesome. thank you awesome? yeah
0: thank you and Waddy where can everybody find
1: you oh god I mean it's weird to say it after (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah, you can follow me on everywhere Uh, Waddy McFly that's everything yeah all the socials
0: so then then, of course J Watt Films oh yes Uh, Bundy Manor will be out streaming later this year we're our distributor yep we'll
1: get that going
0: then the next one starts filming in yeah, and then we're releasing
1: uh, monthly horror shorts. Next one's coming out, and it's yours, right? Yeah, yeah, mine so out, uh, check April out
0: April 5th because it premieres at Warner Brothers. Oh, right, premieres before. at Warner Brothers. It premieres at Warner Brothers. Right, right. exactly. The before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very fun. So, and, and I'm uh, at TimDrake42 on Instagram and at TimDrake on Twitter. So. Yeah. Well, oh, oh, and make cool.
1: sure to go to demonetizemovie.com because yeah. that's where our next yeah, movie hopefully, nice. so...
0: Yeah. Awesome. Or, and, Thank you guys so much, too. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, follow us on all the socials. I was
1: socials. about to get your socials again. Cool. All right, <laughs> give it up for Andrew.
0: Thank you.
1: Are there any questions for Andrew?
2: White? <laughs> <laughs> the white? Sorry, I was kidding. Anything you want to know, Emily? <laughs> <laughs> your favorite music video, what? Oh, oh. well, after... Uh, College. I made a, a a demo. The way I used to get work was just I just made music videos for bands I liked that they hadn't asked for, and then I would just like, and then I would just go to their shows and be, like, hey, I made some music videos. And they'd be like, oh, okay. But I'd made a series of videos for Dashboard Confessional that my nice. then girlfriend acted in, and those were some of my favorites. Well, no, I had met him. That's why I made those videos. Oh yeah! The, weirdly enough, like
0: <laughs> I can only imagine Chris Carrabba. Yeah, a band hired me.
2: A band hired me to do an intro for them at Taste of Chaos. Mm. Okay. And uh, and I was backstage as Onyx. The funny thing is, but I, I shaved my beard, so I had to do a fake beard. And I had to glue it on in their, like, you know, band trailer. And then I had to trim it, and the glue and the hair got stuck in their sink. And anyway. But I was about to intro them, and the lead singer of Dashboard Confessional was like, Andrew? And remembered me from, like, 15 years prior what? when I had made these demo. Huh? Oh, super nice guy. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, had, All the I've bands. Had few,
0: I've had a few encounters with him, and he's always yeah. he's one of the nicest guys. Super chill. Out there. Yeah. Oh, any other questions?
2: Yes. Hi, I'm sorry to
1: break
2: no, yeah, it all, it happened and it came out uh, um, The name of the song was My Town And I don't remember the name of the album But I think it still exists uh, on YouTube Armor for Sleep, My Town It's probably like you know, 360p quality or whatever, but <laughs> but it exists. We got it done. We wound up like just pushing their travel by like half a day and shooting, ah. you know, one more half a day and maybe cutting a scene or two, and we got it done.
1: Nice, that's cool.
2: Shot on mini DV. Hey, <laughs> there you go. Any other
1: questions at all? Remember putting those mini DVs in the tape? Oh my god! Put it into the <laughs> no. uh, computer. Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right, well, then there's no other questions. Thank you for the questions. Okay. Yeah, thank you. uh, (laughs) Now now you are free. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here.